Have you ever felt enmeshed with someone else, almost as if you are two merging into one? In this culture, we have an understanding that when we become married, all of a sudden we become one. But what happened to the two individuals that are in that relationship? Let me tell you a story about a previous relationship I had with Maddie. Admittedly, I'm a recovered merging pattern person. Maddie and I had been together for a few years and did everything together. And while I didn't see it back then, we had become so dependent on each other that we had lost our sense of selves. We stopped pursuing our interests and doing things on our own outside of maybe like going to the grocery store. I remember feeling so afraid to voice my desires or even interests or even what I wanted to do on a weekend to Maddie for fear that she would leave me and then I would be left alone. So eventually we both grew resentful of sacrificing our own desires for each other and that resentment inevitably destroyed our relationship. In thinking back about my relationship with Maddie, Stephen Kessler's merging pattern really makes sense. The merging pattern refers to a tendency to merge or almost become like one with someone else. But in the process of doing that, you lose your sense of self in that relationship and prioritize the needs and desires of the other persons over your own. This can lead to codependent relationships where a person might feel like they have to sacrifice their own needs and desires to maintain that connection with the other person. The merging pattern can really manifest in a variety of ways, such as people pleasing, doing things to not make people angry under any circumstances, even though that's really defying yourself. And that's a lot of what I did with Maddie. She would want to do something, and as opposed to saying what I wanted to do or how I felt about things, I wanted to please her. I wanted to make sure that she stayed with me. Also caretaking and going way out of your way to take care of that person. Avoiding conflict or being overly accommodating. These behaviors really come from a deep-seated fear of rejection or abandonment. And they can lead to a sense of emotional exhaustion and resentment over time, just like what happened with me and Maddie. Instead of voicing my thoughts and interests and desires and boundaries to Maddie, I became so tired and so resentful of her. But really, it was my responsibility to voice those things to her. But I didn't feel like I could because I was in pattern. Does this resonate with any of you? I know that we've been keeping journals. This is one of those patterns that really you can see within your intimate relationships with others. So specifically with spouses or partners and sometimes in your relationships with friends or other family members. As you've jotted down notes about your thoughts and behaviors over the past several weeks. See if this makes sense to you. Kessler argues that the merging pattern is often a result of early childhood experiences where a person may not have received enough attention or love from their caregivers. 
This pattern, like all of the patterns, is a way of coping with the pain of this experience. And with the merging pattern in particular, this is really seeking connection and approval from others. People who exhibit the merging pattern seek intense validation. Have you ever felt like someone just keeps pulling and pulling and pulling on you and regardless of how much you give, they continue to pull? That might be an example of someone who is in the merging pattern. There's also a component of the merging pattern called the compensated merging pattern. And this involves a tendency to merge with others in order to feel a sense of safety and security. This part of the pattern can manifest in different ways, but it also involves a fear of being alone and a need to please others. And you also have a tendency to lose yourself in relationships. People who exhibit the compensated merging pattern may feel a really deep sense of emptiness or loneliness when they're not in a relationship with someone or when they feel disconnected from others. They might also struggle with boundaries and have a difficult time asserting themselves or saying no to others. And similar to the merging pattern, this can lead to feelings of resentment, burnout, and a loss of your own identity. Like all of the patterns, the merging pattern also has several gifts. Folks who exhibit this pattern have a lot of empathy and compassion. They have a strong ability to really empathize with others and connect deeply with them on an emotional level. And that can lead to a greater capacity for compassion and understanding in the relationships. They also tend to be highly collaborative and cooperative. They have a strong desire to work with others and collaborate towards shared goals. So that can make them effective team players and collaborators in a professional context, as well as at home. They tend to be highly adaptable. They can adapt to different social situations and they can adjust their behavior to fit in with different groups. And that can be a valuable skill in many, many, many settings. They also have a deep sense of intimacy and connection with others. They value that intimacy and connection and are really willing to work hard to maintain close relationships. And this can lead to very deep and meaningful connections with others. Like all of the patterns, the merging personality pattern can be healed. One of the ways in which I healed it was going through really, really intense therapy. One of the things that we talked about was how to create healthy boundaries. As someone who survived intense trauma in many different areas throughout my life, I looked at my psychologist and was like, what the heck are healthy boundaries? We started to inquiry into them. And here are some of the tips from my experience. One, I learned not to take responsibility 
for other people's feelings. That was an incredibly hard lesson for me to learn. And I still have to remind myself of this frequently, that other people's emotions are not my responsibility. They can react in whatever way they need to react in. But it is not my responsibility to please them, appease them, or diffuse them. They are entitled to their emotions, and I am entitled to mine. And the only persons that I am responsible for are my own. Another thing I learned is how to say no to things that don't align with my goals or values. If something doesn't feel good or feel right, it's okay to say no. I have learned that if a partner or a friend or a family member wants to do something and I don't want to do it and it doesn't align with my values or goals, that I can simply say no and I can go and pursue what I need to pursue and they can go and do what they need to do. It's okay to say no. Another thing that I've learned is how to set limits on how much time and energy I spend on others. And in conjunction with that, how much time and energy I spend prioritizing my own needs. The more time I can spend prioritizing my own needs and not focusing as much on processing through or thinking through other people's thoughts or my perceptions or projections of their thoughts or behaviors and prioritize my own needs, the more centered I feel and grounded I feel within myself. And that enables me to also open up communication with others and to actually test some of the thought processes that I might have going through my head. For example, I might think that they are thinking one thing when in reality, they're really not. But it's because I have projected my need onto them and then to please them because really then that's a reflection of pleasing myself. And then I remain silent and then I assume that that's what they're thinking. But in reality, that might very well not be what they're thinking. If I can step back from that and take a larger look at what is actually happening within this situation, I can say, okay, I'm projecting my own needs onto them. For example, let's go back to the situation with Maddie. I was actually feeling lonely and disconnected at the time I was in school and I wasn't around many people because I was doing my own research. Instead of recognizing that within myself, I projected my needs onto Maddie. And I became very clingy and needy. And I needed attention and affection from Maddie. And I'd feel upset or rejected if Maddie wasn't available or responsive. I then viewed Maddie as being dismissive and just straight up mean. When in reality, I was not caring for myself, my own needs, 
or allowing myself to even recognize those needs. Through my healing, I've been able to become aware of my needs and learn how to address those needs within myself, as well as seeking the support I need from others, but not placing all of that onto my relationship, which causes a lot of extra weight and heaviness on that relationship that can eventually lead to destruction of the relationship. More recently, I've also learned how to set up energetic boundaries. One of the exercises that I can do now is I can put my hand on my heart and I can say, this is me. And then take it off and I put it out in the air and say, this is you. And that's really differentiating between me and you. And I've learned how to develop a really strong sense of self. I've worked through a tremendous amount of pain, but on the other side, I've come out. And now I have a very, very strong sense of who I am in my recovery process. I've learned to identify my values. I've taken the time to really reflect on what is truly important to me and what I believe in, not all of these other internalized beliefs from others or from family or from society, but what I actually, as an individual, believe in. And this includes my beliefs about myself, about others, and also the world around me. I encourage you with your journal, if you've identified that you have merging pattern tendencies or that you exhibit the merging pattern, take some time to write down what are your values? What are potentially your spouse's or partner's values? How do these values differ? Same thing with family. What are their values? And how do you differ from their values? This will help you to differentiate between yourself and others. Also, it's always okay to ask family or friends who are supportive of you, only those who are supportive of you, for feedback on your strengths and on your weaknesses. And this can help you to gain a better understanding of yourself and identify those areas where you need personal growth. Throughout this entire experience with Maddie, I typically turned to my friend and asked her for assistance and would ask her to help me reflect on what I was doing really well and things that I could improve on. And that really showed me a different lens and was extremely helpful in me being able to then look at myself and my beliefs and this merging from a higher level and seeing it happen. Another thing that I have learned is setting limits on how much time I spend with other people. I know that I need time for myself and I need time in isolation to be able to reflect and to restore and to be able to feel my strength within my sense of self. Oftentimes in our society, we meet somebody 
and then we're quickly living together and our lives become blended together and we're doing everything together. And that is that whole two becomes one piece. Next thing you know it, married and we're off having kids and we've really lost any sense of who we are. Create personal goals and pursue individual interests. For example, I started doing voice lessons. I love to sing. And this is something that I can do independent of everyone else. This can help you develop your sense of purpose and really increase your sense of self-esteem. And then learning to assert your own needs and preferences. You can assert your own needs and preferences without yelling or without being mean or undermining or passive aggressive or critical. It sounds simple, but it can be challenging. One of the ways in which I've learned how to assert my own needs and preferences is to just simply state in a very calm voice, using I statements, what I am feeling. For example, I might say, I feel overwhelmed when whatever that is. Using I statements instead of you statements, so I feel overwhelmed when, versus you always make me feel overwhelmed, helps people to not react so defensively. As soon as you say, you make me feel overwhelmed, that's going to trigger that person to go into pattern. And the goal is for both of us to stay out of pattern. If you can very nicely and calmly and gently say, I, over I feel overwhelmed when you said X, Y, and Z, then that person is more receptive to hearing what you say. The other thing is to be very clear and very specific about what it is that you want or need. Avoid using vague language or hinting at what you want. Instead, state exactly what you need. For example, I need a hug when you walk in the door in order to feel connected to you. That is very, very clear about exactly what you need and exactly when you need it and why you need it. If merging pattern is your primary or secondary pattern, know that you are not alone. You are worthy and you do not deserve to feel empty or alone inside. You have the tools and the abilities to learn the skills in order to develop a strong sense of self. Thank you so much for listening today. Next week, we're going to continue to talk about how trauma is stored in the body and discuss the challenger defender pattern. I invite you to join the Self-Heal Trauma Group on Facebook to learn more self-healing strategies. You'll find the link below in the show notes. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast and give it a five-star rating so others may find it. As always, thank you for the opportunity and honor to be with you on your healing journey.